welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 161, for Saturday the 13th of July, 2019. Coming up this week, I've tweaked my rapid release plans. I'll let you know how that changes things now. Now You See Her is entering the final push towards completion and why I may have just got a little boost to my plans in September. First of all, at the time I'm recording this diary, it's really hot and I've just come back from town. So if you could hear a sound in the background, I'm not sure how much the microphone will pick up, but I've got my fan on in my study here because it gets really, really hot. The sun comes around my window at this time of day. So do excuse me for having the fan on. Otherwise, I might expire halfway through this diary. Let's take a look at this week's word count, first of all. And a bit of a funny week this week because I've just I've come back from town because I've just seen some members of my family off for a trip to Venice so I've had to shuffle my days slightly. Normally Friday would be a writing day, but I decided not to make it a writing day today because I thought there's no way I'm going to get the writing done around seeing people off on the train and things like that. So in terms of this week's word count, uh, Sunday the 7th, which was last Sunday, I wrote 5,078 words. And Thursday, which is yesterday, I wrote 5,051 words. Now, I will be writing on Saturday and Sunday as well. So I'm skipping Friday today. Normally I would write on Friday, not write on Saturday. I'm having to reverse that. But because, again, my wife's away and uh, the house is quieter, I'm going to be writing on Saturday and Sunday because my I will probably work longer hours on those days while the house is quieter. So um, just shuffling things around, but the word count will be the same. I've been carrying on with the editing this week, all uh, the simpler, all the more straightforward, because um, the fabulous Bill Cocus has been going through it for me. Not only checking uh, for Americanisms, he's also been doing a first edit, which is fantastic, Bill. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. It's so good. I'm just basically what I'm doing is I'm coming in to do my um, edits, uh, even while I'm writing the book. And uh, not only has Bill changed those American phrases. And uh, what was the one I keep, I keep getting one wrong? Oh, the parking lot, Bill. I do apologise for that. I keep calling it a car park or something like that. It's a parking lot, Paul. Um, so do apologise. But I, I, I'm sure my brain is very definitely separated into two sides. And when I'm writing, I'm in creative mode. And there are certain things I just can't do when I'm in creative mode. So I told you last week that I may, I'm getting all these spellings wrong. I don't know how to spell these words. Um, and and then, you know, Bill's told me it's not park, car park, it's parking lot, it's not mobile phone, it's cell phone. And I've seen these and my rational brain has accepted these. And I know these because I've seen it on American TV. And yet, what do I do when I'm in creative mode? I get it wrong every single time. And I was also talking to Julie Cordenwright via email this week. And I make the same old mistakes time and time again. And uh, so I apologise. I apologise to Helen, who edits my books, and now to Julian, to Bill. But I know I make the same old mistakes time and time again. Um, and I, I do apologise for that. I, I am capable of learning. But, um, yeah, I, I, Julie was saying, you know, I'm doing the same thing, ellipses, I think, you know, overuse of commas, same things. And uh, when I'm in kind of creative mode, it's like I can't see it. And I was working with a client today, I squeezed two hours of client working. I thought if I can't write, then I'll, I'll turn it, I'll create a money-making opportunity. So I, I worked with a client for a couple of hours today. And, um, and she was an artist, this lady I was working with. And I said to her, you know, I always sound like the Terminator. When I'm talking about websites and keywords and the precision that you use on the web with the code and things, I, I actually really love that precision. Yeah, I must have a creative side as well. The creative side that comes up with the stories, you know, the, 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 the scenarios and things like that. But I feel that the two are completely separated by a brick wall. They, I'm either or. So I could be super logical, super methodical, um, you know, as I am when I'm doing coding work or, or keyword or analytical kind of work on the web. But then when I come into writing, I'm just like completely crazy artists. I'm all over the place. So um, I don't know how that works, but I, I have perceived this. Working with a few more people over the past couple of weeks has made me perceive that. I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Anyhow, I've been editing this week. Um, so on Saturday, last Saturday, I, did, I, I edited up to 20,000 words. 
Monday I edited up to 25,000 words. Tuesday I edited it up to 30,000 words. And this morning I woke up early and I edited it up to 35,000 words. And because this day has gone better than I thought it would, uh, I've just got more in than I thought I would. I'm going to, after I've recorded and processed this diary, I think I'm going to edit up to 40,000 words and then I'll pick up my editing again on Monday in the evening. So uh, again, doing very well with the editing. And the, the hope is, with, well, the hope is it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen that um, on the last day that I write, so the last 5,000 words of Now You See Her are going to be written next Sunday on the 21st of July. As soon as I've written it, I would have edited all the 70,000 words up to it or, or a first draft edit. And then I will edit the, the 5,000 words I've just written. So um, I don't know how quick you are next Sunday, Bill. <laughs> I might need to give it. Bill's really quick. I, I don't know. Do you get a notification? We're in a shared document. And I can only assume that either Bill's waiting on tenterhooks for the next part of the plot. Um, or he must get a notification of some sort to say that I'm working in the document because it seems that the minute I've put my new text in there, just a few minutes later, Bill's working on it. So what we might have to do on that Sunday, Bill, uh, agreement between ourselves, and I do know we're in different parts of the world, so we've got time differences here. But um, I may need to just let you, uh, you know, dive into that um, 75, those last 5,000 words so I can then finish my edit and then get it off to Adam Nichols and to Judy Cordner because they're going to want to have a look at it pretty sharpish. So it's all going well. Uh, it's been interesting actually coming into the book so soon after I've written it. And I'm feeling quite happy with the story. It seems to have lots of uh, excitement points in there. There's lots of action in there. Uh, there's emotional drama as well as uh, action drama in there. Um, I'm happy with the dialogue and the characters. So no, I, you know, I think it's okay. I hope it's going to be okay, that book. And of course, the first book I've written that, that just takes a single point of view character and follows them through for 75,000 words. So we'll soon find out when we get all the formal edits back. But uh, I, I'm certainly enjoying writing it. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking that, you know, this this yarn's okay. It has all the, uh, the, the points that it needs. So plenty going on this week. Uh, lots of lots of activity. Um, I didn't I didn't feel like what was what day was it? Yeah, yesterday, I really didn't feel like writing. But one of the joys of having everything pre-planned in the Scrivener document is that you just turn up, open it and, and get writing. And, uh, and also I've done this long enough now to know that um, often you don't feel like writing. And what you do is sit in the chair, open your Scrivener document, start a timer and off you go. And that's how the writing gets done. So uh, I've kind of done it long enough now to just push through that because you don't feel like doing a lot of things most of the time. Um, so you, ha you have to push through it. That's writing and editing proce uh, process progress this week. I do need to tell you, I made a mistake last week. I'm a devil for this. This is another thing I'm a devil for. Um, I cannot find, when I need to name a software or a service, I cannot find a blasted word when I need it. I was talking to somebody today, the, the lady, the client I was working with today, and I cannot find the words for softwares when I need them. I don't know whether it's just because I got so many of these softwares swirling around in my head, and I just can't quite find the word when I need it. But last week... I, I messed up the name of a software service when I was talking to you about something. I, I need to correct it because I, I continued to mess it up. I didn't even correct myself halfway through like I normally do. Um, so last week I was saying to you that I'm now using the lovely service that you get with um, Amazon where they effectively give you a, a book report service. It's the Kindle Direct Publishing Royalties Estimator. And I've decided to switch to this completely. And I can tell you it's going to be a permanent switch now because I'm very happy with it. It just gives me all the, the money information that I need. I can see, uh, it's, it's visual. I can see which books sell in best. And it's great. I'm very happy with it. So I have made the switch from BookFunnel. But I kept calling. I've just done it there. I just did it there. What's wrong with me? Book report. That's what I meant to say. I kept saying, and I just said it then. I kept saying book funnel, and I mean book report. And that's what I meant last week. I meant book report. But I kept saying it time and time again. I was listening back to it thinking, it's book report, Paul. So apologies for that. Um, so just to clarify what I was trying to tell you last week, and blimey, you, you know, you'd have to be well ahead if, to work out what the heck I'm talking about a lot of the time. Um, what I was trying to tell you is I've switched now from book report to the KDP royalties estimator now the royalties estimator is free of course and it comes in pounds which of course um book report also does 
Um, but I, I'm quite happy with the data that I get now. And I, I always have mine set to pounds and I ask it always to assume a decrease in the royalties on reads. And I'm finding that pretty accurate now. I also like the fact that I can just switch straight to it and I can see which is my best selling book, which this month at the moment is The Secret Bunker 2, which is what I would expect after a book bub. And then follow, uh, followed uh, just a few dollars behind is The Secret Bunker 3, which is what I told you last week, that um, they're, they're selling on parity, which is fabulous. And so I get to see all the information that I want to see. I don't have to pay when I pass the thresholds uh, that Book Report charges you for. So I'm out of Book Report now. And unless it does something extra special, uh, I don't think I'll be back now. So apologies for that. Every time you hear the words book funnel, go la la la. What you meant to say was book report. But honestly, I feel like sometimes I need subtitles on this uh, podcast because you've got to try and work out what Paul screwed up this week and what did he really mean when he was talking about it. So apologies if I confused you with that. And I've updated my rapid release plans. I did say that they would be fluid and that I would rapid, I would change the rapid release plans. And I've only tweaked them very slightly. But I told you last week that I just finished reading Craig Martell's book on rapid release. And what comes over, it came over really loud and clear. You know, when somebody's trying to tell you something and saying, look, I'm telling you all these things, but just do this. And and what was very clear in Craig's book was that he, he recommends 28 days rapid release. That's absolutely clear from that book. And he, he examines all the different models and he's tried them all. He's very clear about 28 days rapid release. But just to qualify that, that does apply when you're moving people through a series because the concept behind it is that you've got 28 days to read a book and then you can come to the next one if you keep rapid releasing them one at a time people can't keep up with that so the proviso with this it is it is for a series so um i've very slightly uh, tweaked my rapid release plans and i have put the revised plan on this week's show notes for episode 161 so if you head over to selfpublishingjourneys.com you'll be able to read this it's, i know it's sometimes quite confusing to hear me say it especially if i get any bits of it wrong so um it's pretty well going to stay the same in that the first 10 weeks are going to be exactly the same as they were now adam managed to get his high earning months with i think it was eight books so i i'm i'm still two books over there even though I'm tweaking the rapid release plans. So week one, 9th of September, now you see her and Adam Nichols collaboration. I've got something to tell you about that as well. I alluded to it in the headlines. Book two, 16th of September is Dead of Night. 23rd of September, One Last Chance. 30th of September, Friends Who Lie. Uh, The 7th of October, No More Secrets. And then the 14th of October, So Many Lies, which is a brand new book. So now you see her as a brand new book. So Many Lies is a brand new book and sandwiched between that, you've got re-released books, but which never found an audience. 21st of October, you've got box set one, which is my adventure thrillers. 28th of October, you've got Two Years After, which is the female-led psychological thriller I'm about to write and I've been planning this week. 4th of November, you've got the female lead box set. So three books in that, obviously. And then Monday, the 11th of November, I launch Left for Dead, which is the book I've the book I just wrote before the one I'm writing now um so that gets released on the 11th of November and it's after that that I've decided to change the plans based on what Craig Martell said now the reason I've changed the plans is that I've the, the book order now left for dead is book one in a series of three so listening to what Craig says and having got momentum from the 10 weeks beforehand, it makes more sense to me to do a kind of hybrid of Adam's experience and Craig's experience. So I'm going to release the Morecambe Bay 2 book on the 9th of December, which is 28 days later. And then I'm going to release the Morecambe Bay 3 book on Monday the 6th of January, which is another 28 days later. And that also leaves me clear of the Christmas holidays. So you know how things fall in Christmas holidays. Uh, I don't know know how people buy on New Year's Day and things like that, but I want to be clear of Christmas holidays when people's buying patterns are all over the place. So that suits me. And then I'll release the box set for that on Monday the 20th of January. So it still is a 16 week. Is it, hang on, that's not 16 weeks. What is it, 10? Yeah, it's it's 10, 11, 12, 13, that's 13. Uh, releases just over a slightly different time period. Now, the other thing that that gives me is I was I can turn those Walker Bay books around in time, but it gives me a, a much more of a buffer to uh, I can get them written in time, but I can get a proper edit done on them as well, rather than me reading them 
maybe three times, giving them to beta readers and not sending them to a proper editor, uh, going through a formal edit process. So I feel a lot more comfortable with that. But I'm only doing that. If they were standalones, I'd just keep it going week after week. But because they're in a series and having taken on board fully what Craig says, I, I want to kind of use a bit of both of them. And hope, hopefully, touch wood, by the time we get to week 10, I'll have got some good momentum up with the rapid release. So then I, I, I think in that scenario, I give my, my Walker Bay series, those three books, I give them the best possible start that they can get. Now, after that, depending on how rapid release has gone, that also means I can bump the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. If I decide to re-release the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, then again, because that's a trilogy, I would release those 28 days later, which is, which is also fab. Now, I know this is getting complicated and I know you have to, if you blink, you miss this. If, 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 for instance, it goes very well and then my last release is um, the Morgan Bay box set and then I start to re-release the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And I, I'll re-release the first book in that series on the 3rd of February. So that would be 28 days after Morgan Bay 3. So that would take me to something like Monday the 3rd of February. That would be Don't Tell Meg 1. Don't Tell Meg 2 would be Monday the 2nd of March. Don't Tell Meg 3 would be Monday the 30th of March. Then I would do the box set the week after that. Now, what that gives me, if, if this rapid release doesn't just fall flat on its butt, as I half expect it to do, in all my projections, I've projected zero income, which won't be the case, but that's what I've projected. I've just completely projected financially downside on this. Um, you know, so, so everything's having to come out of existing cash flow rather than me kind of guessing that I might make a bit of money. What that would then do is give me enough head of steam to continue that rapid release to get another series of three done so that at the tail end of, of re-releasing Don't Tell Meg, I could then release, still in that 28-day rapid release cycle, the next three books. It gives me time to produce those. So for all sorts of reasons, that feels like the right kind of course correction to make with that that feels a little bit cleverer to me and it means i'm you know i'm listening to somebody like craig who knows what he's talking about of course uh, but also i um because the the books that start my rapid release are not in a series they're standalones um uh, they're, they're obviously the same genre but they aren't in series i know that that makes life slightly difficult for me uh, not having any series early on in that rapid release strategy that's why why it may prove to be more difficult for me because those early books are not in series anyhow we'll see how it goes but i have put that plan on this week's show notes if you want to have a close look at that and i've added a few extra notes to explain my kind of reasoning uh, with that the other thing I've decided to do is I got my edit back uh, from Julie Corden this week on Left for Dead. And um, I, I was, when you get an edit back, you want to dive straight in. And, and I got Julie's edit back and we hadn't actually set a timescale for this because it's, it's, this is more of an informal arrangement. The first two books are more of an informal arrangement uh, to see how we kind of get on and how it works. But I got Julie's uh, edit back for Left for Dead and uh, I moved it into Scrivener. So that because that's where I make my my adjustments. And Julie basically sent me an edit where um, I've just I just accept the changes. I I always do this with Helen. Um, I don't I don't you know you know better than I do with grammar and language. I, I don't sit there pouring over each comma and everything. Um, I'm happy to accept you know greater wisdom than mine because I'm useless at, at grammar and punctuation. So I don't sit there agonising and pouring over um, grammar and spelling corrections. I, I assume they're right. And to me, this is how I always used to work in management. You know, if I employ you or I bring you onto my team to do a job, I work from a basis of trust. I expect you to do it. I trust you to do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought you in in the first place. I don't expect to have to go through your work and comb through it. I trust you uh, until you give me a reason not to trust you. So that's that's how I always um, that's how I always work. So you know, I assume people's uh, competence and professional ability with something until there's reason for me uh, not to think that so I don't look at commas and spelling or anything like that and so what you're then left with is the the changes the sort of head hopping stuff the, the the stuff where the editor is saying to you can you come up with a better word you've repeated that word you've head hopped here um you know this is inconsistent so it's really the stuff that I have to do as the author not the stuff I could defer to someone who's got greater experience knowledge than I have um 
So I, I've got Julie's edit back like that. And my, in, my instinct was to dive straight in there uh, because I always want to do that with an edit. But I, I looked at the impact that would have on the sausage factory that is rapid release. And I, I simply cannot, I cannot have everything ready in time and look at Julie's edit out of sequence. Although obviously I've ran through it very quickly to get a feel for the edit and, and what changes Julie's made. I, I just can't interrupt the sausage machine um, to, to go through that edit, much as I want to. Uh, I can't do that because I, I was messing around with my schedule. I thought, I, can't, I just can't do this. Uh, I have to do the books in the order that they're released. Otherwise I won't have anything or everything ready in time. So um, bizarrely, I can't get, unless I get ahead of myself, which is always a possibility of course, but I can't get to Julie's edit until, wait for it, this feels ridiculous telling you this now, but I can't get to it until the 23rd of September because it's a 75,000 word book. And because I, I tend to do it in small batches of, of 5,000 words, three chapters. So I'm always fresh with it because you, you know how much I hate editing. Um, I can't do it till then, which seems crazy with um, Julie having done all that work. Um, but if I if I can find pockets of time to take a look at it and start to progress it, I will. Um, but it is very frustrating for me. But Left for Dead is the first in the Morgan Bay trilogy. And as you've just heard me say, it doesn't get released till uh, November. So it has to take its turn. Everything has to take its turn. And I have to stick to the plan. If I don't stick to the plan, then I'm not going to be ready to release everything on the date that it needs to be ready for. If I stick to the plan, I got loads of buffer time for everything. Everything will be ready in plenty of time, possibly with as much as a month's notice. So because I can see that Julie's done a good job of that edit, a really sort of thorough job of that edit, um, I, I was, one of the things I've been thinking about with this rapid release is that, that three of my books in the first plan I had, the edit they were going to get was essentially me reading it as many times as I could squeeze in, plus handing it out to beta readers to get their feedback on it. But it was not, I just, um, Helen Fasal doesn't have capacity for them. Um, and, and of course I don't have an editor at the moment that, that, that I've got a relationship with other than Helen, who does my books. Um, I didn't know I was gonna be writing this many books uh, this year. It's just, it's just how the year's gone, I've pivoted. So um, I don't really want to risk that, particularly with any luck, we'll have a slightly bigger audience when we get to, to rapid release. So I sent an email to Julie this week, having, having seen that first edit, and, and said, this is speculative only at the moment, but if I asked you to edit these three extra books that I'm, I'm writing that I didn't expect to write, in fact, I'm writing five extra books this year, which is ridiculous, I hadn't expected to write. If I, if, if I sent these books your way on this time scale, would you be able to accommodate that? And can we come to an arrangement over the charges? So um, Julie got back to me and has, has sent me a, a schedule and charges. And I'm looking at that thinking, yep, I, I quite like to do that. I really would like these books to have an edit. But the turnaround is quite fast. And I need to make sure that the editor could do that. Now, Julie's turned this book around fast. Um, this book and the next book are, they, these, were, these were trial runs effectively. And so what I've said to Julie is, let's get this, let's get this second book out of the way as well. And then then I'll, I'll let you know if I'm committing to it, but I, I, I'm fairly sure I'm going to commit to this because I do want them edited. So um, not only does Julie launch her editing career, your brand new editing career, Julie, you've just launched it uh, right into space uh, because that's that's five editing jobs you've got, isn't it? I know I referred another one your way um, the other week as well. So hopefully we've given your editing career a really good um, head of steam. Uh, so I, I hope that's good because I know that suits your life plans. Um, but you know, also obviously, it's very convenient to me. I don't really, I don't really want to re release books that haven't had an editing eye over them because I know I'm a bit of a liability with something. So I, I do want a safe pair of hands on them. So for that reason, I'm. Cons I, 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 I think if I pay Julie for those edits, which I hadn't, I hadn't scheduled. What I think I'll do then to find that money sooner rather than later, it makes more sense for me from a cash flow point of view to take the money that I've earned from this secret bunker promo and to move that not into new covers as I, as I was going to, but to move that into edits. So to bring that money forward so it gets spent sooner. Now, um, the reason that I think I'm going to do that is that I am able to put the grid in next week for another book bub. So the grid can go in on, is it next week? No, the 20, 
the 25th of July, I could put the grid in for another bookbub. And if I get a bookbub on that, say in the next three months, that will generate the income I need for the new thriller covers. And it will give me the money that I need for those thriller covers still in plenty of time because I'm quite happy. I got so much on with the with the thrillers. I might as well wait for the sci-fis until the new year. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to overload myself. And I do want to give them an edit first. So I, I figure that I might as well get the put the thriller ones to bed and then I can take this money that I've earned from this current book, but I am earning from this book, but put that into the edits on the thrillers to, to give the thriller rapid release the best chance of success and the best chance of you know of great quality, good covers, proper edits, just to really set those books up well. And then just to park the rapid release on the sci-fis a bit and then park the money and say, okay, I'm taking that money and using that for edits on thrillers and then I'm going to try and earn that money in another way by um, getting another book bub on the grid. Now I've had a book bub on the grid is it once or twice before, so hopefully that means I'll get one again. I might just have to wait a little bit, but hopefully, well, it does pass the quality criteria for a book bub. So um, I, that makes more sense to me. So I'm gonna move money that was allocated for sci-fi book covers, that's probably gonna go into edit. So if, if Julie and I uh, both agree, because it needs agreement on both sides, uh, if we agree to proceed with that arrangement, then I'll use my book cover money to pay uh, Julie for those jobs. And, and at that point, I'll be paying Julie a proper rate for the job rather than a, a sort of a trial demonstration rate for the job. So um, that's where that money's going to come from. So, um, yeah, all, all change. I did say I would tweak the plan so that, you know, it, it, this brings me back to my, one of my favourite books, Brian Tracy's Flight Plan, which is basically saying that although the destination is the same sometimes the course that you take needs a few course corrections so I'll be course correcting probably even while I'm doing the rapid release uh, you know to, to maximize what's going on one of the things I did realize I was I was looking at the money that I've got in my business at the moment and I, have, I know I'm very poor at giving uh, income reports and the reason for that is you know I'm an old geezer and us old geezers you know we weren't born with um social media and videos stuck in our faces 24 hour days uh, 24 hours a day and things like that and and um you know i don't like to share there's things i don't like to share because i'm an old geezer uh some things i like to be confidential and private so i'm a lot more reticent about I, you know i not i'm still not comfortable sitting there sharing income reports it, it's just not something i'm i'm happy to do every now and then i i get a sort of gust of wind under my wings and i think oh what the heck and i'll do it but it's not something i think i'm going to do regularly but I, I'll try and give you sort of an indication of roughly where we are you know I have said to you that when I did my annual accounts my income was over um, 20,000 I think it was nearly $21,000 uh, last year so I, I you know I'm happy to sort of give you general stuff like that but um, I'm I'm quite um, you know guarded about personal information particularly financial information it's just uh, I think a generational thing so I'm happy to sort of give you an indication but I, I'm not that comfortable giving drill downs all the time. Um, but again, as another indication at the moment, uh, I realised that in my in my sort of author account at the moment, I've got uh, just short of, of £6,000. I, I hesitate to use the word sloshing around, not sloshing around, but I, I've got income coming in from, from the books, and, and uh, well, the books, basically. Um, you know, earned income, at the moment, uh, earned and budgeted income of £6,000. The reason I know that is when I was trying to work out how the heck I was going to pay Julia if, if I if I suddenly have to pay for three edits, um, I, I was looking at sort of the money that I know is coming in. And of course, what helps me to do that is the Kindle royalties estimator, which I was talking to you about earlier. And I always downplay the money I'm going to earn so that I, I can be sure that I, I've got the money available. Um, so I, I know what I'm earning um you know, for the next couple of months, I know, I know what's earned. And so basically on the spreadsheet where I budget all of this stuff, I, I marked in green everything that I've already earned the money for. And then um, one of Julie's edits has got a little, a little amber light next to it, a little amber, because I've still got to bring that income in from the books. Um, and then and then that's everything paid for that I've talked about. So I've got one more edit to pay for. So I just need, you know, a few more weeks income for the books to pay for that. So and I've got strip beige covers to pay for. But I worked out, so I totted up all the greens, the things that I've committed to. 
And, and um, you know, so you've got two thousand uh, pound Stuart Bache covers. Um, I, I owe seven, um, Adam Nichols a seventy five pound cover. I've got Elizabeth Mackey uh, scheduled, um, and I've budgeted four hundred pounds for her covers. Um, I, I've made also some uh, payments. I'm not going to mention to you, but I've made some extra payments to people that I wanted to make as well. Um, that, that I wanted to pay from this secret bunker. Uh, because I, you know, I don't like, I don't want people working for free, basically. So, um, you know, where I where I have the money, I, I like to try and remunerate people where I can. Um, so um, I've got another Helen. Helen is, is scheduled to edit um, the book that was Who to Trust. Um, talk to you about that a bit later. So, um, and I've got the promo costs and all these editing costs, and um, so all of those are, are budgeted in, obviously at great great expense, and. Um, and so that's about a thousand, uh, six thousand uh, pounds, you know, allocated at the moment within the business. So um, that's quite a lot of money, isn't it? So just just to sort of let you know, you know, that that's roughly where I am with the earnings at the moment. But the the, the other thing that I, I say to you is that at the moment, because I'm just every piece, every pound I earn, I don't take income out of the books yet. I just keep plowing it in, um, you know, to make the books better. So for instance, last year. Um, Helen Fazal was unable to edit Who to Trust. So I, I ran it through a proofreader. I read it sort of two or three times, got it as good as I could, ran it through a proofreader and then released it. Now, it never really sold many copies of that book. So and I've not had any sort of complaints about it, but I, it, it won't be as good as if it had been through an editor. I know it won't. Um, so I wanted to pay Helen this year when she had time. I said to her, could you pick that up in your schedule? I'd like you to edit that. And again, for, for consistency for Helen to edit that. So... Um, Helen's uh, going to edit that book um, for me. And this is what I'm saying, that I, I'm coming up behind. I bootstrapped the books. I put my own rubbishy covers on them. I got them selling. They weren't maybe as... Uh, they, the editing was always right, but the covers weren't. But I, I've improved those books as I've gone along. It's an iterative process. Um, I, I've been telling a lot of businesses this. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not sculpting books out of marble so that they're there forever and we can't make changes. Our books are iterative. We can change them, improve them. We can correct mistakes at any time, which is why I don't get too hung up about them. Um, I don't want to be putting rubbish out there, but no one dies if we make a spelling mistake or a grammar mistake. We can put it right and it's, it's fixed in 24 hours. No, no one dies in what we do as authors. Um, if I were you know, sculpting a marble statue and I tapped too hard with the chisel and the statue's arm fell off, that's serious. <laughs> you know that. Uh, so we're not working in stone. We're working on, on the internet. That everything can change in a moment. So yeah, so you know, six thousand pounds, and that's all allocated. I'm just putting that straight into expenses to make things better, to improve things. Um, you know, when I one, one of the things I was really pleased with Stuart Bache's covers is when when I had success, particularly on Apple. When you get on the lovely, uh, what are the, you know, the charts on Apple. When I was on charts with people like Lee Child and things, my books didn't look out of place. They looked like they should be there. This is what I said to Stuart when I ordered the covers. I said, one of the things I loved about those Don't Tell Meg covers is that when I was doing well on Apple, I didn't look like some rubbishy, you know, hobbyist author. I looked like I belonged on that um, on that page next to Lee Child and all these authors you know, whose careers I would love to have. Um, and, and, and so I said to Stuart, that's what I want your covers to look like, but like I belong in psychological thrillers. So... Um, so it's worth paying for that, as far as I'm concerned. I know I pay a lot of money. I, you know, I know when I was talking to Adam, when I tell him what I pay for an edit, and when I tell him what I pay for a cover, with all the money he's earned, he winces at what I pay for this stuff. And uh, I know it's cheaper, but I don't care. You know, it's when you find an editor. I, I, I had an editor that I, did, I, that I didn't rub along with. When you find an editor that you rub along with, um, and you feel that they're sort of, you know, not sitting there judging you, they're working with you to make the work better. When you get that, that's uh, that's magic when you get that, I think, and uh, it's worth that's worth hanging on for, even if that editor you know maybe cost you more than you could get. It's not all about cheap, as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather pay for the quality. Um, I always want to pay for the quality, but also in this business, the relationship is really important. Particularly, an editor relationship is really important. I think. Um, so when you find an editor you get on with, you know, it's worth paying um, to 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 retain that relationship. I believe. So, um, yes, yeah, so, so about 6,000, you know, sloshing around at the moment. Um, but, you know, just imagine if I if I said at the end of this rapid release, I've got all my series closed, everything's in box sets, I've got all my covers done. And I said, right, that's it, I'm not writing anymore. What I'm going to do now is just promote the books I've got. That's an indication of the sort of level of money that I would have in the account if I was just 
with all the box sets and things. I was just constantly promoting and putting them on BookBub. You know, this would generate a good little second income now. Um, it would pay for a couple of nice holidays every year. So, um, you know, it feels to me like I've, I've hit that certain threshold. The other interesting thing was, I think I told you this about last month, if, um, if it hadn't been for the BookBub, my income had dropped quite a lot. But um, uh, but but the BookBub kind of came in in the nick of time and it's all fine again now. But, but my, my income, if I hadn't had that BookBub on the secret bunker, would have been back to, well, I was going to say back to normal levels. But it wasn't that long ago that I was saying to you that my aspiration was to be able to earn what my wife earned every month in her part-time term-time role. And again, what are these reality checks that you have to do? Because, you know, our expectations keep growing as, as things get, hopefully as things get better. Um, even at a low level, even at that, what I would call a disappointing level when things had dropped off, I was still going to exceed the target of my wife's that monthly income and just term time part time, um, and, and I, I just thought you know sometimes you have to take a step back and be grateful for where you are because that's actually what my objective was. Not that long ago, that's all I wanted was to be able to on paper replace what my wife was earning in her part time job, uh, and yet even now when my income drops to a lower level, it was still uh, more than that. And, and I always liked that as a first target because it was something tangible in our household budget. It was replacing something uh, tangible. So anyhow, a bit of money chat there. But there's also a little bit of insight as to why I don't share my income reports. If you want to hear income reports, and I think she's actually taking a bit of a summer break at the moment. But Alyssa Grosso, if you want to hear painful income reports, and Alyssa, I, I say that, um, you know, with, with great affection and respect because you're doing the work. Um, but if you want to hear income reports, Alyssa is uh, uh, a, a sort of painful that she gives you all the breakdown about her advertising and, and what she takes home. And uh, also, I'm happy to tell you that because Alyssa, uh, um, in her other part of her business on Amazon, uh, makes a living uh, selling things online. So she's very, very, very successful, you know, in one part of her life. She's trying to crack the author part of that business. And she will, I'm absolutely sure of it, uh, crack it. But um, if you listen to Alyssa's um, awkward author podcast every month she'll give you a detailed income report now i know we get mark dawson's income report which is what something like one hundred twenty thousand dollars this month so that about you but i got a little way before i get there um so Alyssa's sometimes if you want something that's just a little bit more uh, down in the trenches you know what more average more inverted commas normal authors are earning i highly recommend Alyssa's podcast to you because it'll just give you that that kind of nice um reality check if that's okay so where are we with that? Uh, a little bit of money. Oh, I, something I want to tell you about. You know, you know, I'm a finisher completer. So I told you, it was either last week or the week before, that I hadn't cracked a thousand pounds total income on Kobo, which I'm very disappointed with because I want to love and cherish Kobo. And it's just not really working for me. Um, and I've tried all their promotions that they use. I've tried all the tools and I've read Mark Lefebvre's book and, you know, a thousand pounds in however long I've been on it. It's just, it's not good enough. I'm making more on Apple and uh, Amazon. Anyhow, uh, on draft to digital, um, I'm almost at another threshold. And you know that I'm just about to move my books into, into KDP Select for a while while I go into rapid release. Well, my on my dashboard in draft to digital, my book sold is 49,000 and something on draft to digital. Um, I can't, I'll tell you, actually, I'll just get it up. Um, it's 49,000 and something. I can't remember what the number is. And I was looking at that thinking, oh, I'd just like to sneak that over 50,000 if we can. Uh, 49,000, this is the 49,043 is my, is my current total of uh, books sold on Draft Digital. And, and by the way, just if you're listening to that thinking, oh, Paul must be a millionaire, uh, that counts, uh, free books as well. Uh, so there's a lot of free books in there. It's not, they, they call it books sold, but it's not. Um, and incidentally, just, just to give you an idea, um, Draft Digital says last month in June, through them, I sold or shifted 3,755 books. So that's on uh, Apple and that is on Barnes and Noble. 3,755 books. My books on Google go through Publish Drive. Is there somebody I've forgotten? Publish Drive, 
my books on Kobo go direct. Yeah, so that's 3,755 books shifted on Draft of Digital. That's Apple Books, which I did very well with um, on, on The Secret Bunker. It, it charted in the paid charts, um, book two charted. Um, and, and I was at number one or something in the free sci-fi chart. So I shifted a lot of books on Apple. Um, that's the kind of numbers of books you need to, to do that through Draft of Digital. So I want to get that tally over 50,000 if we can, just because before I kind of leave Draft the Digital for a little while, I'll come back to it, but just while I leave it for a little while, um, while I'm doing the KDP Select thing, uh, I want to get it over 50,000. So if I get a book bub on the, the grid, because that's wide at the moment, it will stay wide until I've got that next book bub, that should, well, it will do it. That'll do it. So I'm hoping to get another one on the grid That'll be wide. When, it, when I exceed 50,000, I'll be happy to leave Draft the Digital for a while and then I'll shift everything into Amazon. But you have to have these little goals, don't you, to, to make you happy in life. I got a, an email from Helen Fazar this week. Helen had been listening to the podcast and had obviously heard me mention uh, Friends Who Lie, which used to be called Who to Trust. Now, this is the book, if you remember, I'd scheduled Helen at the beginning of the year to do um, some books. So I'd scheduled Helen in to do, uh, she did an edit on, what was it called? So Many Lies, she did the edit on that. That was a 90,000 word book. And I'd scheduled Helen in to do um, Who to Trust, Friends Who Lie, which is the one that she was unable to do for me last year that I wanted her to do. And um, so I'm very happy that she's she's doing those. But that's all we scheduled in for this year. Um, and she sent me an email. I think she'd heard me saying that I was hoping to release it a little earlier than I'm going to get it back from her. And so I sent her uh, th that manuscript and I think she's going to start giving her first read of it and then she'll, she'll try and get to it and try and, uh, she said she'll try and squeeze it out. But I said, look, you know, um, we fixed dates at the beginning of the year. I'm happy for you to just, you know, don't, uh, rapid release is a sausage factory and things have to be out at a certain time. There's no pressure on Helen to do that earlier because she has her own sausage factory of books to do. But I said, but rapid release waits for no one. That book was good enough to release previously. It's going to get another edit from me before it goes out. But if I have to, um, that will just get released with my editing in um, as it was previously. And then when I get Helen's edit on, I'll just upload the file and change it. Um, but, um, you know, as I say, uh, the rapid release start date is determined by Adam Nichols's date which is the 9th of September, and then the books have to go in a certain order. So that's just the way it has to be. Thinking, of, thinking about it, actually, just while I'm talking to you now, I'll have a look. There might be potential there. I might screw things up a bit. Just talking off the top of my head, I might be able to shuffle a book round. I'm just thinking that two years after, if Julie edits it, might be ready before that is. So there might be another little shuffle there. I'll, I'll have to check the dates and the edits and, you know, all this. It's all very complicated, isn't it? Um, but I, I might just be able to shuffle that. I'll have a look. But it, it might screw up the box sets order. So I'll, I'll let you know if I change that. But uh, Helen's got that now. Um, I, I had to sort of process it very quickly for her because I, I wasn't ready for her to ask asking me for it. And uh, it, it had been written as 10 chapters and each chapter had three parts. So I had to split it into 30 chapters. And the other thing I had to do was add my author notes, which I want Helen to edit as well. So I, I did some very quick scrivener work on that, turned it into a, a Word file, and that went off to Helen uh, this week. So there you go. Um, interestingly, I just mentioned, I got a report card from Julie Cordner this week. And... Um, Julie had you know summarized my errors as a writer and it did occur to me actually um and I, I full of all these bright ideas but I might not have time to do it. it did occur to me that it might be just a really useful episode to get um Bill Cocus and Julie on to almost do a teacher's report card on my writing you know to say this is what's wrong. This is, you know, this is what I had to change and this is what you keep doing. It would be quite a painful session, but it did strike me that it might be quite an educational session and, and for you to listen to as well. Um, but, but Julie said, um, I think overuse of commas, I think Julie's saying, uh, either overuse or underuse. I don't know which one it was. Uh, starting several consecutive sentences with the same word. Yeah, I know that. Um, I do know that. And sometimes I spot them and sometimes I don't. Some head hopping. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm evil. Um, I know that is my that's my Achilles heel I mean I've said that for a while haven't I head hopping and I'm trying to do it and I've, I've found a way of trying not to do it but I know you know I know we can't all be brilliant and everything um, and ellipses I'm doing something wrong with ellipses which I probably don't even know I'm doing um, so I'll, I'll need to check that note but um, I think Julie assumed that I was good at grammar 
And, you know, I was, an Engl- I was a teacher at a uh, at primary school, mind you. So I was a teacher at primary school and I did English literature. So my degree was as a, uh, is in, I'm a Bachelor of Education. I mean, that's all irrelevant now because it's so long ago. But I, I'm a Bachelor of Education. So I got, well, I got an, an O-level in English language, English Lit. Uh, I've got an A-level in English Literature. My degree, I'm a Bachelor of Education in, with English Literature as my main topic. And I was in the communications industry. And as I was explaining to Judy Cordner this week, you see, the thing is in radio, the first thing you learn in radio on day one is they tell you to write in what we call journalese, with a Z at the end. Journalese is how we write. And journalese, you write how people talk, because when we when you read stuff on the radio, that's how you talk. You don't write in, in a formal fashion. And the first thing I had to do, this is 1991 at journalism uh, college, school, whatever it was, polytechnic, I think it was when I went, um, they, they said, forget everything you learn about writing, about essays and things like that, about formal writing. And now you have to write how people speak. And when I started work at the BBC, and it, and, and it tortured me the same way that the edits tortured me now, you'd get these uh, producers, senior producers, and they'd, they'd take the scripts that you'd written, and they'd, they'd put contractions in, whether you put there are, they'd put there, and they'd rewrite the thing entirely as, as you would say it, not as you would read it formally. So, so when I went into radio, I had to unlearn everything I'd done. And when I when I write a script, when I used to read scripts on the radio, so when I was doing interviews, I could sometimes do 10 interviews over two hours uh, on the radio, live interviews. And um, I'd have these scripts and, and you have to keep a program going, obviously, do all the links in between. Uh, and people are showing guests in and putting them in front of you. It's, it's quite hectic doing live radio. And um, you'd have to, you had to pick up a script and read it, you know, that you may have read two hours ago. You had to read it perfectly from sight. So when I used to mark up scripts, I used to put, I, I used to annotate it with all, all sorts of, um, you know, short, not, not formal shorthand, but my shorthand. I'd put hyphens in and I'd put marks in and I'd underline words and I would circle names that were hard to read that might trip me up. And so as, as, when I picked up a script, I could pick it up and read it from cold. And I, and, and it had a shorthand on there that allowed me to read it and deliver it really well. I don't do that on this podcast, incidentally, as you can tell. Um, I, I sounded completely different on the radio because it's a different skill. Uh, what I do here is I open up the microphone and just talk nonsense for an hour. Uh, so radio is a, is, is a different skill, but you're working from scripts most of the time and then seamlessly linking those scripts with ad libs. Um, but so when I write, and I think this is what's driving, this is probably what drives Helen and Julie mad. I'm I'm writing as if I'm writing radio scripts. So in many respects, I've got to learn to be formal again or more formal again. I've always written to read for years, you know, for, for 20 years of my life, I've written to read stuff. Um, so I, I think probably my books are easy to read. You won't get a lot of sentences there that jar or, you know, feel verbose or anything like that. I, I think my books, you, when, I'm, when I'm reading them, I'm, I just go straight through them. Um, I, I think they're easy reads, but I think they're probably not uh, you know, structurally um, or grammatically, technically, they're probably not technically correct. That's probably my big Achilles heel. But I, I can remember my dad, my dad worked as an accountant for years uh, with numbers. And my dad at the end of his working life, um, his his handwriting had become so poor that he only wrote in block capitals so that people could understand his annotations on his on his accountancy notes. Uh, he couldn't write in, in upper and lower case. He just used to block capitalise everything um, in handwriting. So, I, you know, I think you do pick up a lot of these um, these habits. And um, I, I, I obviously, I mean, this is this is why I want to pay editors to, to, to pick up on those bad mistakes. Uh, but that's that's why I do it. I've, I, I write my words to be read. Um, it's not I don't write formally at all. I've been doing some more planning work this week. So two years after is coming together. I need to start writing that. I've only got two weeks till I write that. So I need to get my act together. I, what I got still, I think I said this to you last week, I got lots of fragments. I got lots of scenes in that. And actually I've got the story now. I've got the twist in the story and the kind of the jaw dropping moment when you realize who this person is. Um, and I just, uh, just got to weave the fabric of the story a little bit more now. I've got the characters, um, uh, the scenario, um, yeah, I'm sort of happy with that. I haven't just quite got the continuum of the story yet, but I'll be doing that over this week and the next week because I've got to start writing before 20 books Edinburgh. I've got to start writing. I've got to have 10,000 words written before 20 books Edinburgh. I've got a book to finish and a book to start before 20 books uh, Edinburgh. 
Anything else to tell you? Yeah, one more last thing. I, I mentioned this in the headlines, actually. Um, I said that I, I, I've got a little boost for my rapid release. And that boost comes from Adam Nichols. Now, originally, Now You See Her was going to be my first rapid release book on the 9th of September. And it was going to be the first rapid release book for Adam. So Adam's gathering books together and collaborations and things like that. And Adam is is going to... Um, you know, uh, he was going to start releasing with my book on the 9th of September. But he dropped me a note this week to say that he's he's repurposing, he's revising three books that he'd previously released. And he's actually going to put those before my rapid release. Now, that's great for me. That's really great for me. Because my book that I've co-authored with Adam will have momentum of at least well, it'll be the fourth week of Adam's rapid release. So if you think he's established, he's done this before, he's got better, bigger readership than me. He's better established on Amazon than I am. And I'm going to get the momentum, the starting momentum for my rapid release is going to be on week four of Adam's rapid release. So I'm hoping that's going to give me some forward momentum. That was great news. So very, very happy about that. I think that's all still to be confirmed. I mean, I think he's there. He was, he was showing, he's got some lovely covers done. Um, he was, um, publicising his covers, and I know he's started to build it up with his list already. So, I mean, that's fabulous news for me. So, um, looking forward to that. But we're all, you know, we're all tied down. 9th of September, that's when the rapid release happens. Okay, so I think that's it for my news. Yes, it definitely is for my news. So, just as a reminder, um, I'm going to be writing on Saturday. I'm going to be writing on Sunday. I'm going to be editing and writing all through next week. And so, by Next Sunday, the 21st, Now You See Her, should be written to 75,000 words and it should be Paul Teague first draft edited. That's as much as it will get from me, basically that it's coherent. Remember, Bill's, Bill Cocos has also been through it, done a really nice edit from it as well. So it's had sort of two eyes over it by the time it goes there. It'll go to Adam, who will want to look at it, and then Julie will do the formal edit on that book. And I have penciled in for next Sunday that I am going out for a celebration well I say a celebration I'm going out for some food with my wife on that Sunday night because uh, that's a lot of work and uh, I think that needs a celebration so uh, you know we can't all work all the time so as I've been working quite hard recently we're going to go out for a nice meal out on that Sunday and then <laughs> then I got to start writing the next one and start editing the next one that's just before we go to 20 books Edinburgh oh and important news very very important scheduling news I did manage to find time to get a haircut in before 20 books to Edinburgh because I'm going to 20 books to Edinburgh then shortly after I'm going to see my mum I'll need a haircut by then so uh, the good news is you can breathe and relax now I will get a haircut before 20 books to Edinburgh okay then that's it for this week's Paul's podcast diary thanks very much for listening I'll have another one for you next week whatever you're up to in your author career have a great week of writing or editing I'll speak to you next Saturday bye-bye for now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.